Welcome back to our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Um, I'm Rosie, she's Barbara, and uh, that's all you need to know about us, if you uh, are familiar with The View. Um, what if you're not familiar with The View? Well, they what? should be. No, but what kind of analogy would you give for that? If you're not familiar with The View? Okay. Um, she's the... I'm con- curious. Oh, well, I'm, I say we're, we're Rosie and Barbara because um, Rosie was the one who came on The View, you know, with... Big, I'm gonna say with big ideas and wanted, and um, Barbara was you know a little small minded and wanted her her vision of things. So, not the same, but you're Barbara, I'm Rosie, <laughs> because eventually, because eventually, <laughs> but more so the analogy is because eventually Barbara kicked Rosie off the view, uh, so and she started to kick me off the podcast several times. Okay, so. just what's the analogy if people don't watch the view? Oh, that she, that um, she. I'm well, curious. I want to know that you're controlling, and I'm not. I don't know. That's not. That's you're not, not true. controlling. No, that's not true. But but Rosie was controlling too. So it was like two two control freaks butting heads. That's the analogy. All right. But I'm Jeffrey. I'm Lenny. <laughs> and Jeffrey, um, I did something super bad. What? Just because you said I, I said something about the analogy. I started watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Why? Uh, even I don't watch those. <laughs> I mean, no judgment, but why? Uh... Oh my god. Okay, so I think I mentioned before that my brother's getting married. Yes. So he got married. Right. But in the weeks leading up to the wedding, I was getting more and more stressed. <laughs> so that was your way of dealing with it? No, but I needed, I needed something. Like, I needed... I don't know. I needed, like, mindless television. You know what I mean? Like, knitting wasn't doing it for me anymore. Um, like, the comedy shit that I usually watch wasn't doing it for me anymore. And I don't know. I needed, like, some other people's drama to get over my drama. Yeah. And I, there's yeah, no shortage of drama in that show, right? I get that. Yeah, so start watching that. I mean, I do the same thing, but for, like, for but with RuPaul's Drag Race. So yeah. It's the same same thing. Like, yeah. the same when I say there's no judgment, but, like... I'm not, like, super invested. No, but the Real Housewives... But I, I did subscribe to something <laughs> to get some episodes. But I get a one-month free trial, and after that, I'm, like, I'm not, okay. paying. I'm not paying for it. But I, I felt ashamed, like, you know, I mean, like, to my yeah. core. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is very trashy, but, like, <laughs> but no judgment, because, like, I understand it's it's very mindless, and sometimes we need that. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Sorry. So <laughs> I just had to confess <laughs> something like it wanted to come out. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I don't think Barbara Walters would ever watch The Real Housewives. So maybe you're not Barbara. Maybe she would though. You know, for her like she used to do top ten lists of most fascinating people. Yeah, and she would do the Kardashians and stuff. Yeah. So, so. I feel like. I feel like she, I feel you like don't watch she, any Housewives? Just we're off topic, but I've seen clips. Like I've seen which one's the one that Eileen Davidson is on. Mm. That's the Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills, and but she's not on it anymore. Okay, because um, I knew her. She's classy. Because I know her, she was on my the soap opera that I watch. Yeah, and the wrestling. Yes, is um, she not on anymore? She comes back and she, like she like she like was, everyone in the soap opera. Yeah, she she's not on it right now. She left, but she comes back every so often. Like she like she was a regular for a bit, and she was recurring, and she leaves. Like she's back and forth. Somebody on the show called her a homewrecker. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, but I'm, no, I'm, I do know that there's there's a scene that has just gone around on social media and on mostly on Twitter as like as a meme. It's I think like, I know what it's, you're it's, it's, it's like a dinner scene. I don't. I don't remember. The, I don't know the other names. Like I, I, I know Eileen Davidson is the only one I, I know. Okay. And Lisa Renna. I know mm-hmm. her. Um, Lisa Vanderpump. 
Yeah, I know her too. Okay. Like well, I, I don't, I might not know. Like we're I, digging a little deeper now. I might not know. I might not know their names. I don't know. If, I might know them to, to recognize or to mm-hmm. see. Um, so you know, it's like a dinner scene where like some like uh, they're all blonde, but like one of the one a blonde woman is like saying, you know, I invited you to my house. Something blah blah blah. Like so far, the start of every <laughs> argument. It's just, like it's like all I know is her is like. The, a few of her lines she's like you know we're all talking about it like blah 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 and then Eileen Davison tries to like interject something and she's like shut up I'm sick of you you beast and Eileen yes. Davison is like beast and it's the whole thing and so that scene yeah. is, that clip has gone on on Twitter so that, that's Kim Richards okay child child star yes and one but one of the and one of the the, the I'll say iconic it's not iconic but one of the quote unquote iconic quotes from that scene is she says why don't you have a piece of bread and maybe you'll calm down and so that's, that's been remade into a, a thousand different memes yeah. i also made one myself because it was because i needed because it was just it just very it was very fitting i took that and i put instead of a piece of bread i put an allergy pill because for me in the summer i get very anxious when i'm feeling when i have allergy symptoms so i said that's me like why don't you, why don't you take an allergy pill and maybe you'll calm down like that's that's my advice to myself that i don't follow because often i won't i won't take an allergy pill because then it it's makes me because it makes because it makes me drowsy and i'm like this is this is just not not happening well in any case <laughs> that's what i watch now very far off topic but also worth mentioning i'm so invested now <laughs> i'm crazy um so this week we are talking about episodes 18 and 19 of season one mm-hmm. wait i'm gonna quiz you what are the titles okay um this is a bad idea the, <laughs> okay episode 18 is the third lorelei good job nine oh 19 is emily in wonderland yes okay See that was that's a fluke. I knew you would get that one. That's though. a fluke. I just remember that I remember I mean I knew which which one eight, number eighteen was and I don't know why but eight, I just remember because Emily in Wonderland is one of my favorites so I think it just stuck that's out. That's why I knew you would get it. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, before we dive into the third Lorelai, it's apropos. Apropos. Because I just. Yeah, <laughs> it's a word. I know. <laughs> After um um. This week, yes, it was this week. I just finished reading um, the, a memoir by Marion Ross, who plays the third Lorelai, and who was all, and, and who also plays yes, and who was whose best known role is Marion Cunningham. Yeah, sorry, who else does she play in Gilmore Girls? Oh, the cousin. What's her name? Marilyn, I think. Yeah, that was like that's I love that. That was a, such a nice yeah like twist, like because like Marion Ross was a, it was is a very versatile actress in that way. Anyway, so, but her best known role is that of Marion Cunningham, Miss C, on um, Happy Days. Happy Days. Which I think we, I mentioned in another, in a previous episode. Yeah, we mentioned Happy Days a bunch. Where, like, it was where Eleni said something along the lines of, she doesn't understand, like, this whole concept of Rory and Dean just endlessly kissing and, you know, nothing happens. And I was like, to me, that's not weird because I grew up watching Happy Days where, like, that was all people did. Ugh. And looking back, I don't understand it at all because, like, yeah. okay. Um, were, were people that starved for, like, some kind of affection? No, but it was, like, it was weird because Happy Days ushered in... A whole era of like family friendly nostalgia fueled sitcoms. So it was like Happy Days, and there was Laverne and Shirley, then a few other spinoffs, and then there was Grease. Like that was at the same time. 
Um, and bef- before and before Happy Days, it was American Graffiti, which had a bunch of diff- the same actors in it. Was a, mm-hmm. which was a movie by George Lucas pre Star Wars. Um, anyway, so I don't really get it, but I think it was like, it's, like necking or whatever, kissing, like necking. making out was like a f- somehow. Your mother once asked me because we were talking about just because you said necking. It's so funny. I was talking about this guy. And she was like, did you guys neck? Yeah. I was like, it's like, no. No one. Also, nobody says that. No one says that. Um, so you can tell what era my mother is from. <laughs> but it was great. I was shocked to hear it. It's, no, it was, a, it was a weird, like, portrayal of, like, this, this is what teenagers do. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Well, it's changed now. Yes. Um, but one, one tidbit from the memoir I did want to share was something I didn't know. Pop culture. For those, for all you pop culture enthusiasts, Tell me. Um, apparently in the early years of Happy Days, um, Tom Bosley or Bosley, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Yes, also the name of Eleni's dog. Yeah. Um, who is present in our studio audience today? Again. <laughs> um, hey, Bosley. <laughs> um, anyway, he apparently he was not very nice in the beginning, and he was very difficult to work with. And he and Marion Ross didn't get along. Was it Catherine Heigl of his day? I mean, probably not because he was a man. But I mean, the male version of Catherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. No, because he was. He, he like he got like again he got away with it because he was a man but it was also but she made it she, she in her memoir she made a very good point of saying like she realized she, she like realized retroactively that like happy days was a very testosterone inf- influenced work environment where you it was like say. where it was like all about like the show itself was about was about men like it was about the teenage boys it was the about, bombs. yeah so it was like a, it was a and it was a nostalgia fueled sitcom but it was also like a clear window into like the patriarchy mm-hmm. of the 50s yeah um so no in the beginning like she was just she you know she would try to get along with him or like make jokes or just like she, if he was getting tense she would kind of like try to anytime he, he would like she would put his she would put her hand on his shoulder or something he'd be like don't touch me like he was very like you know aggressive and tense on like and would argue with the producers and the writers all the time which I'm like, I didn't know any of this. Like maybe that this was like you know rumored or common knowledge among. My tell-alls are great. Among happy days, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't salacious in any way either. It was. It no, was like. No, but I mean, it's it was just to get some insight. It was, you know? and it was respectfully told too, considering that Tom Tom Bosley is dead. I mm-hmm. think yes. Um. So no, it was just interesting to me because like, you know. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Cunningham on the Happy Days were like, like were like the pinnacle of such a happy couple, and I yeah. not just a happy couple, just like mom and dad. Like she even says, like she just feels so touched every time a, a like a diehard fan will come up to her and say, like you raised me, because like she was that like, is nice, you know. Um, it was just you know, it was just interesting to me, and eventually like she said, she that everyone found out that he was really de- he was like dealing with a bit of a depression in the early years. Like his wife was sick, they had a young daughter, like he had a lot on his plate. And, you know, in the 70s, men didn't really talk about those mm-hmm. kind of feelings, and they still don't today. They still don't. So, eventually... Men open up more. <laughs> eventually, she said she was able to, like, melt his, his icy exterior a bit and get closer, and, like, yeah. eventually he warmed up to everybody, and they became... Like, the show was on for 11 seasons, so eventually they got... They worked they worked well together, and they were friendly, so it all worked out, but it was just, it was interesting to me, because I never knew that. Yeah. Um, Did you know that? I didn't know that, no. <laughs> but you know what? It reminds me of something. Um, so on top of watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, you know sometimes you go down like a YouTube spiral? 
Yeah. You know those Miss Mojo videos where like no. they count down like top 10 this, top 10 that, like in the entertainment industry? Okay, yeah. So they had one like, I think it was top 10 um, like couples on television or movies who hated each other in real life. Okay. So I can't remember which couple it was, but I remember one of them was like, and I will find it and I will post it because it was fucking like apparently the guy slapped her. Oh, was it um, um, James Franco and Busy Phillips on Freaks, no. on Freaks and Geeks? No. You know about that? Oh, no. Okay. No. <laughs> Story for There's another one? Story for another day. Okay, we'll save it later. Tell me after. <laughs> but yeah, like it never surprises me like. Okay, well, maybe the slapping surprised me a little bit. But, I mean, if you're getting two person, I'm sure everyone on Gilmore Girls didn't get along, like... No. And apparently, side note, we're getting very off track here. Whatever. But, <laughs> see? You've accepted we're a hot yeah, mess. And, <laughs> and they're here or they're gone. I'm the one that brought up Real Housewives. So, um, so in, Lauren, in Lauren Graham's memoir, mm-hmm. she... I mean, there was obviously no bad blood or anything. But, no, like, but... she did allude to the fact that, like... Um, she and Mae Whitman uh, were much remained much closer after the end of Parenthood compared to she and she and Alexis Bledel yeah. after the end of Gilmore Girls. And she like, and I think she, I remember Lauren Graham making clear like, it's just because life took us in different directions. It happened. And I feel like no, but I feel like that was like we talked about this in a previous episode too, where like we believe that Sarah and Amber on Parenthood were the much more, were the much better mother daughter couple yeah. compared to Lorelai and Rory. So I feel like it was because. Um, because of that, I feel like... But I also think it's because May Whitman, Whitman is younger. Am I mistaken? Yeah, probably. Like, but if, no, because I think, you know, in real life, Lorla, well, Lauren Graham doesn't have kids and she's not married. Rory has a child. Alex Bodell has a child and is married. Yeah, true. Like, I think, um, whereas May Whitman and Lauren are more, um, it's much more that mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, I think they were... Where like, in Alexis Bodell's case is like, She's a parent herself, yeah, so it's not... Exactly. I, think, I don't think that's necessarily bad blood or anything, no, but... No, I think Lauren... I, I know sh- what you mean. Yeah, I think Lauren... I think her... What she meant... What, or what you're saying is that, like, Lauren Graham and Mae Whitman were much... They were easier... There was... Can't speak. <laughs> Let, let's start. Let's start over. What Lauren, were they? What were they? Lauren, Lauren Graham and Mae Whitman, it was easier for them to mimic the same relationship on screen yeah. and, and off screen. Makes sense, though. Just based on on their dynamic as people. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, this this video you were watching, it was Who Slapped Who? I can't remember. But was, I will post it. Okay, well, what show was it from? What act, like, It was a movie. Well, that's a very entertaining... It's zero. That's a, that's a very it's entertaining... zero helpful. Give me my iPad. Okay, that's a very entertaining anecdote. <laughs> Give me my iPad. <laughs> while, you, while you search for that, I Talk can... Talk to the people. I can, tell, I can tell you about James Franco and Busy yeah, Phillips. Yeah, tell me. And I think people want to know. So have you have you ever seen the short lived cult classic Freaks and Geeks? I have. It's on Netflix. If okay. You haven't seen it. Um. So, James Franco played like the, you know, badass mm-hmm. bad boy, um, a part of the free, part of the freaks, because they were that was the the whole the whole point of the show was that like the burnouts were the freaks and then the the younger kids were like the geeks so it was that's that that's where that name came from. It was the two social groups, and so James Franco was the bad boy, and Busy Phillips was the bitchy, bitchy burnout girl who was. Um, I love Busy Phillips. Yeah, me too. I love her so much. Um, she played. Her name was Kim Kelly, and Kim Kelly and James Franco's character Daniel were a couple. 
and they're just they're just a hot mess like they were like and kim was very like trailer trash personality mm-hmm. and there was there's also like there's an episode where the main character Lindsay, goes over to her house for dinner and there's a whole like brawl like it's just it's very like it just you know what i mean when i say trailer trash i know yeah so does. <laughs> um in busy phillips memoir that came out last fall called this will only hurt a little i haven't read it yet but i heard it's very good you should read it it's really yeah, good i really want to read it um she talks she was talking like she talked about her freaks and geeks days because there there was like a breakthrough role for her Mm. and she was like she didn't go like she didn't talk at length about james franco but she did like she was talking about how he was a bit difficult to work with on the set and Mm. was just thought very highly of himself and kind of gave off the vibe that this like that role was going to be um that, that like that role was gonna like you know bring him places kind yeah. of thing like that like he like the like, like he had because you know he was a white man in a white yeah. in, in a white man's you know industry mm-hmm. he it was like he knew he was going places and everybody else knew he was going places mm-hmm. kind of thing so anyway he thought very high of himself he was very arrogant entitled can't find it I can't. But keep going. Okay. So... I still want to hear the story. <laughs> um, They're dragging this all super hard. She... Anyway. There was um, one scene where um, Kim and Daniel were, like, arguing. And she said... And, like, the line was... Kim's line was, like, damn it, Daniel, do something. And she was supposed to, like, push him. And so when they were filming that scene, like for the first time, like after the table read or whatever, yeah. she like, she did it exactly how she was supposed to. Like she said, like, damn it, Daniel, do something. And yeah. she like pushes him. And James Franco um, decided to push her back to the ground and then yell. That wasn't in a... No. He like reacted in anger. Like, he... Okay. So he's literally reacting. Like, yeah. Reacting. Like not in, like off, like off script. He pushes her to the ground and yells in her face, don't ever touch me, or something. I don't remember exactly what he yelled in her face. James Franco's on something. Yeah. So, um, and then she ended up, so then she actually, like, wrote about, uh, I think she, like, wrote the whole end of the chapter about, like, how the apology went down, where it was, like, he was supposed to apologize. Like, the network obviously got involved. Like, everyone knew, like, he, like, he he reacted, like, everyone knew he he Okay, so it was Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. Oh, okay, yes, I knew about that. That makes sense. Yes. (laughs) Not because I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, yeah. So anyway, um, it, like everyone got involved and like it was it was clear like James Franco had to apologize. Well, of course, yeah. And she just wrote about how like, you know, he apologized whether or not it was completely sincere is, is neither here nor there. But she said like, you know, she felt because he was a white man in the white man industry and he was so pretty and so charming. Like it was one of, it was one of those situations where like she felt that just by him talking to her and giving her the time of day, it was like she felt almost compelled to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I'm sorry. Like, you know, it's like that, that typical, like, power dynamic, yeah. power, Since that power then, struggle. Hasn't James Franco been accused of a bunch of gross stuff? Yeah. He's and, not, well, he's, he's still everywhere, right? He's not exactly unproblematic. Yeah. Has he been sending, like, dick pics to everybody? Probably. And you know what I find hilarious? Not hilarious. Like, you know, not hilarious, haha. But you know what? In that situation, you know, Alison Brie is married to um, Dave Franco, which right. is his yes. brother. Yes, yes. Alison Brie goes on a talk show recently and they ask her about James Franco's accusers. What are you asking her sister-in-law for? I mean, I'm not surprised. No, but, but like, what kind of shit is that? That's just trash media. Like, come on. Like, anyway, dumb media culture. 
but in conclusion to that, in the, like because she put that tidbit in her memoir, yeah. like that got a lot of media coverage of when the book came out. She was like, I don't think I don't think that incident had ever made it to the press. So like no. I don't think it was. I think it was like until she put this in her book, like no one had ever really heard of it. And she, um, I think it was on one of the on, the, on a late night talk show. She, like they were asking her about it, and she just made a statement saying like, um, I didn't intend for, for this to become like the sole like, the sole focal point of my narrative, like, I wrote my memoir, like, this is my story, I don't, I don't, and I feel like it's not, I feel, I feel like it's now being hijacked by James Franco. Yeah, basically. James Franco abused me or something, so she kind of just said, like, I prefer if we focused on the fact that, like, this is my, this is my story and my narrative. And so, like, even now bringing it up, I feel bad. I still, I feel bad still talking about it because I, I know, it up with the you know, thing, yeah. I feel bad just talking about it because, like, the memoir itself was very, was very good. So that, and that was I just, have it on my to read list. that was just a small part of it, you know? Anyway. Anyways, we should, shall we dive into episode? Yeah, we should get back on topic. <laughs> so, episode 18, the third Lorelai. Yes, the third Lorelai. We're introduced to Lorelai's grandmother. Who's Lorelai the first. The original Lorelai. The original. Played by Marion Ross. Exactly. That's why we took a tangent. <laughs> um, so this episode is weird for me. Is it? Because, you know, we always go back and say that, like, Emily and Richard were a really, really great couple. And, yes, they had their, like, tip in season four where they were, like, apart at the beginning of season five. Um, her mother, his mother plays a big part in their separation later on. Right. But the thing is, like, you know when his mother is insulting her, like, to her face? I feel like Richard's, like, so enamored with his mother that he doesn't... Oh, not for he doesn't sure. realize, but, like, he realizes and just doesn't give a shit. And that, to me, is a little bit triggering. It's... I don't even think... Like, I, he real, like he realizes, but he, I, don't, I think he... A part of him thinks, like, it's, it's all in good fun or something. Or maybe not even... I don't even know. But. I don't know if that's what he thinks. I don't know if he's just like. I think he's oh. he's blind to it though. Yeah, I think he's he, like because it's mentioned that he doesn't see his mother very often. Like she, the last time she vis- visited them in the states, Lorelai was a girl. Yeah. So like I get it, but like to see Emily like struggling, like to kind of make a connection with her, and she's just like insulting her to her face. Yeah, but it's such dr- it's such dramatic irony considering, like, and you can see it, and this is this is like the first time you see it. Um, in the first season, like Laura, like Lorelai and Emily's relationship is so tense, and like Lorelai feels stifled. Yeah. So it's like Lorelai getting to see someone else make Emily feel stifled is yes. like she's like. But that's what she, I wrote. Like in my she notes. wants to bring popcorn. But, like, yeah, but that's the thing. That's what I wrote in my notes. I'm like, Lorelai loves seeing her mother squirm. You yeah, know because I mean? like, like all because it, because Lorelai has felt like her mother and her mother's circle and her fa- and her her family has made her squirm her exactly. whole her whole life. Yeah, no, but it's just like it's it's borderline abusive. It is, and it's very it's. It's very misogynistic. Like, you shouldn't be terrified of your mother-in-law. It's very misogynistic. It's yeah. A, it's a very misogynistic dynamic. Yeah. In that... Yeah. Um... Just, like, the... Like, the like the man is out of the... Is out of the equation. It's just, like... Women... It's, like, you know, it's so, it's so far gone that... Um... In the original Lorelai... The first... Lorelai the first... Lorelai is, the first. We'll call her Lorelai the first. Yeah. It's, it's so critical of... The woman that his son has married because yeah. it's like the son, the man, like the, yeah. it's like, but but because the man is on such a, we've, and we've talked about this, but in other in other contexts, oh, yes. <laughs> because the man is on such a high pedestal, mm-hmm. 
the it's like the women don't even realize that everything they do is rooted in their support for the man yeah. and the man is scot goes gets off scot free and another thing that i that i like deduced if i can say is like like we said i don't know if it's because he's still taken with his mother that he doesn't see her very often or like um he's like you said he thinks it's all in good fun mm-hmm or if it's the third option where she's just like, well, that's the way she is. She's always been like that. She's never going to change kind of thing. And so he's kind of telling Emily. No, like, I disagree. No, no. But what I'm saying is like, I don't know if that's what it is. I don't think so. No, but because I know when because, Emily- if, because if he believed that if he saw if, if, if it was like, oh, that, that's just how she is. And we it would bother him more, which it doesn't. And he would also be like. Yeah, but see, I don't think it... I think it doesn't bother him because it's not directed at him. You think? You know what I mean? Because in my family, I have a dynamic with one of my family members where... Just one? Okay, well, this one in particular. (laughs) Um, You know, where I'm constantly being told by others, oh, she's changed, like, everything's okay, no, no, no. And you're just... That's the way she is. Don't take everything so personally. But I'm, it's ro- I'm rolling to, my eyes right now. I know, but it's easy to say that when the comments or whatever it is is not directed at you, right? Yeah. If you have a good relationship with that person, you're kind of not blinded by it, but you're like, it's easier to just say, yeah, like, especially in a family. Well, that's it. Like, she's, a, well, she's never been rude to me. She's always nice to me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. I okay. I see. So I, I see. What, a, I yeah, see I what you mean. It, that's not what it is exactly, but there's a part of him that's just like. Well, that's the way my mother is, and, like, she's very tough love, you know, because, you know, sometimes when she makes that, those comments, like, in this season and in later seasons when she comes back, he's always like, ha ha, you go tricks. Yeah. He calls her tricks, by the way, which is fucking weird. Stupid. That's very weird. So, it's, like, you know what I mean? It's like, ha ha. It's, it's, it, but it's very, mm, I when I say it's, it's very misogynistic. It is. I, because, I don't like, disagree. Because, like, it's, when he says, like, oh, ha, tricks, like, oh, tricks, like, that's, that's uh, dad's pet name for Gran. Like, yeah. that, like that whole, like that whole thing. It's just like it's very like keeps the man in keeps the man as a boy. Yeah, but exactly. all the girls, like all, but, but all the girls get to have to be women and control the boys. Yeah, like yeah. that's no, like that's from, you know what I mean. Just like so fucking. The first time we see her, Emily is going, "Mom, look who's here!" And do you remember? She's like, she's, "Who?" Yeah, and she's like and reading. She's, she's like she's reading. reading with a fucking monocle. Yeah, <laughs> who? <laughs> She's like, well, look, if I wanted to look, I would look. Oh, bitch, just fucking up your face a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? It's just whatever. And Marion Ross plays it so well. Like, it really, was such, really, it was really such amazing casting. It really, really, honestly, it was really, done. like, it made you hate her kind of thing, but that's the mark of a good actor. Yes. Um, But it's just so fucking condescending. Like, she's bending over backwards. She's like, I'll get the spice nuts you like. Here's the cheese. I'm not supposed to put these nuts in my hands. Like, oh my god! Is that how she talks? I don't know. <laughs> Probably doing it wrong. <laughs> Not good at accents, okay? I mean, yeah, I know what you mean in terms of. I know what you mean in terms of, like, well, okay, well, that's how that family member is, and it's like, well, it's never affected me, so I'm just gonna. It's just, yeah. e- it's just easier to shrug it off, kind of, of thing. Like, but I feel like you've been married for 30 plus years, should know that it affects your wife. Exa- yeah. Or maybe in his head, in some twisted way, he's saying, "Listen, we don't see her often. She can grin and bear it for like four days." You know what probably. I mean? Probably, and it's probably because which is also very typical. And it's you know, probably because my mom like tells me like it's just for a few hours. Yeah. You know how damaging those few hours. Are. Yeah. It's like I think his love for Emily is here, and his yeah. love for his mother is just just a bit above. So yeah. it's like 
she, so it's like he, in his mind it's probably like well she it's I don't really care I love I love my mom she yeah. can deal kind of thing Anyways, but I know what you yeah. but I know what you mean in terms of like expressing how okay well this family member treats me like shit and mm-hmm. no one else seems to see no yeah. one else seems to see or care yeah it's really also frustrating when you're when you're like I'm not the only one seeing this right like you want some kind of validation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually have a, I actually have a, a real life tidbit that goes Tell along me. well with this. Tell me. Kind of in, in, in on par with what you were saying mm-hmm. about your family member, family members. You actually because we know you have more than one. Um, my so actually funny we're talking with them because my aunt and um, they're getting my aunt and her longtime like we'll call him boyfriend but like mm-hmm. their longtime partner like they're getting married in a few weeks actually so but they, they've been together for nine years okay like they live together like they own a house like common law like they've mm-hmm. been together a long time i think in quebec common law kicks in after two years yeah so they've been they've living they've been living together much longer than that yeah. and they own a house together so it's whatever um like not like wasn't like oh my god you're getting married like like it was like oh okay like we're, we're finalizing the deal kind of thing you know um so he is so my my aunt is in her mid mid to late fifties and he's like close to eighty so like there's a bit of an age an age gap mm-hmm. and which with, with an age gap also comes a bit of a generation gap I think yep. so and yep. he's and he's Italian okay so um so he's very much a mama's boy even at eighty years old. Kind of, but not but that mama's boy mentality. I mean, and not even mama's boy. Like that wasn't really what's going with it. It was kind of he's just he's very all about him, and it's like mm-hmm. he like honestly the only way I can describe it, and you'll know what I mean, is and I and I and I have said this about my parents, and and they get it. Like in our, in the in our house, they don't they don't get it when they're outside of our house. I tell them like. He's the definition of a mansplainer. Like he just uh, like he's just it's just like male privilege, like male privilege times ten. Like just old bit, like old cranky white man mm-hmm. who thinks he knows everything and Got is it. stubborn and just Got it. you know. I have a picture in my head now. And I'm sure everyone else has a picture when you get it now. Just mm-hmm. old cranky white man who thinks he knows everything. Yep. And you know what? And I've and I've said this to my mom too because like when I was younger, she she would kind of she would kind of think like I was being like I was also being arrogant and like thinking like I know more than him. Like I'm not saying yeah. he doesn't know a lot of things or he's not knowledgeable or like, but it's just like he he kind of acts like he knows everything about every about everyone and everything. It's like there's I can guarantee you there's a lot of things he does not know yeah. about the world, and he always gets upset like when like the grandkids who are younger than me or even like even with me when I was younger like if we were. Even if I glanced at my phone, like, for two seconds at a family gathering, he was like, oh, can't put your phone away for five minutes. Like, he doesn't do it with me anymore. It's I'm, millennial bashing. Exactly. I call it. And he doesn't... He my doesn't, mom's boyfriend does it too. And he doesn't do it with me so much anymore because, like, I'm 22. Like, come, like, try and come for me. I dare you. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, he does it so much with the other kids that my mom. My mom always says, like, yeah, because, you know, like, you know, your aunt puts on such a, such a big dinner or a big party and, like, they sit in the corner on their phones and, like, it's kind of disrespectful. And, like, yeah, I get it. But, uh, like, they're older now. But, you know, like, five years ago they were, like, 10 and 5 or 10 and however old. Let's... I don't know how, I don't remember how old they are, but, um, you know, so like they're kids, like the, when I was that age, like we had dinner at the table, like, and then we went to the spare room and watched TV or something like it's the same, like same thing anyway. So, um, you know, he's just, he, but especially when I was younger, not so much now, like I said, like 
come for me i dare you like i i can kick like i'll push you down kind of <laughs> with my literally with my words or, oh my with, or with my words or with my hands franco style no, i'm kidding <laughs> pick one um but no like when i was like maybe f- like 14 15 anytime like anytime we were like we would be sitting at the table like after dinner or something and like you know when you're 14 15 you kind of feel like you understand the adult conversation a bit more so you kind of like interject or like give mm-hmm. your opinion if you have one it's so, like i was kind of starting to do that more and more at that age yeah you're finding your voice at that age too you know? yeah and like he the first anytime i would do that when he was there he would say something like oh he was the first few times it was like oh be quiet like you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing and like oh. it, and like his tone of voice was easy enough any if anybody else heard it it would have been like he wasn't he wasn't being serious or like being like hurtful but that's what i mean there's a disconnect between what you perceive because also, if this if you have a pattern or a history with this person and they've done it before, like, you know kind of what they're saying. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, if somebody else heard it, they'd just be like, oh, well, don't worry. He was just being, like, playful. Well, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, like, when he would say those kind of things, like, oh, just be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, it, it sounded playful enough that, like, but I knew it wasn't playful. Yeah. No, so, I get it because it's like that in my family. Exactly. Too. So, then it would, like, any, and then it would progress. Like, and then eventually he's like, we were, we, with my dad's side of the family when I was younger, we used to like do big family vacations where we'd like all go, like one, like one summer we all went and we rented a beach house in like Ocean City, Maryland. And like it was this whole big thing. And like one of my uncles had gotten this really nice place, uh, like out of a deal with a friend or something. So it was like, it was a treat. Like, and everyone was kind of like aware, like this is a treat, like I appreciate it kind yeah. of thing. And so I wasn't like ever not appreciating it but like the the uncle who got the deal is not the easiest person to be around so like again i was 14 15 and i'm i'm not 10 i'm not gonna like sit down and let someone be rude to me so like i would kind of like quote unquote talk back to him and like my parents never really said anything because like my, I mean, like, the, you know, when you, when, you, when you talk back to your parents and when you talk back to another person, it's a difference. Like, I wasn't really being rude. I was kind of, like, being assertive and not letting him, like, treat me like dirt. Yeah. And that, un- that the other uncle, the other, you know, boyfriend partner, he would be, he would always, he would kind of, like, just, like, give me a dirty look or, like, glare at me and, like, you know, kind of, like, whatever. And then, like, eventually, he, then he said, like, behave yourself. Like, be, like, he, like, and it was not in playful tone. I was just, like, yeah. but, like, no one else heard it. And, like, it was kind of in, like, if we, weren't, we weren't all sitting together. Like, it was, like, you know, we were, we were in a separate room in the kitchen. It was just, like, no one else heard it. So, like, he basically, like, yelled at me. And, like, you're not my father. And yeah. you don't get to talk to me like that. I have an uncle who's like You know? Um, Except he did it in front of everyone. Which is even worse. Which is even worse. Even worse when people, when people don't believe you or, yeah. or don't care. And so, like. But the thing is, he didn't do it in front of my mother. But my mom's boyfriend was there. Mm-hmm. So when I told my mother later on, she was like, I can't believe he said that. Like, he did that, whatever. And my mom's like, yeah. Yeah, so... And then I'm like, finally, do you guys fucking believe me? Exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of a similar thing happened where, like, I told my mom and he was like, she was like, that's not okay, whatever. Like, yeah. So I don't know. She said she, she, said she was going to talk to, like, talk to either you know, my aunt or him about it. I don't know if she ever did. Mm-hmm. But I remember she told my dad about it. My dad was like that doesn't sound like him, blah, blah, blah. And, like, my dad is not that kind of person, so it was kind of yeah. insulting that he would be like, that's not, doesn't sound like him, that's not. But that's what I mean when know? I say, like, some people just don't want to, This, like, you know, this person's always been great to me, I'm not gonna, it doesn't sound like them. Yeah, because they've never been that way for you, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, like, so, anyway. Just as a side note, um, 
like I know when I talked before about like millennial bashing, you know they always say the younger generation is so rude. Yeah. I always think older generations are so rude to the younger generations because when we because I've had this this experience too when I try like I'm insert myself into the conversation like I'm 27 years old right now, you know when I was younger too and I would try to do that they they're very dismissive yeah. of you like as you're like you're not you're oh not, your generation like, yeah but like what do you want from us you know what i mean like do you want us to be more adult do you want us to like what do you like they don't know they don't know what the fuck they want it's a two-way street i know they don't know what the fuck they want but like you said like you know when you're trying to when you're 14 15 and you kind of give your opinion my mom once told me that like you know i just want you to be careful because you're a very bright girl and you know a lot of things but you come off as very like um abrupt when you're telling people do, like, do, like, do the boys in your family come across as abrupt? Hold on, so I go to her, like, because I couldn't understand what she was trying to say. I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you know, like, you try to make it seem like you know everything. It's good to know things, but, you know. And I'm like, well, no, if we're all having a conversation, like, I'm allowed to speak. You know what I mean? She's like, yeah, but sometimes you get, like, too intense. And I'm like, okay, all right, no yeah. problem. I just, I'll just shut the fuck up. My, my mom has said similar things to me too kind of like just be careful of your tone it kind of sounds a bit arrogant or, or yeah. not, not arrogant she would say it kind of sounds a bit like you're know-it-all yeah my mom has also told me like um, you're very aggressive yeah same. yeah my you mom know? would say that too and I'm like but alright but it just makes you self-conscious of everything you do exactly after, you know? exactly and when I say like I don't want to be petty when I'm like okay I'll shut the fuck up but it's just like after going forward after that voice is always in the back of your head and you're yeah, like maybe exactly. it's better that i don't say anything because apparently i'm super aggressive exactly you know what I mean? so for me like it got to a place where like it, w- it moved from self-conscious to like a place of total indifference where yeah. like, i don't care and i'm pretty much still there i think i'm there now where it's like i'm more 27 years old and like if you come to my house and we're talking about something i'm allowed to insert myself into yeah. the conversation and if I've... you don't like it you can get the fuck out but um sometimes it is easier just to say i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) because you know it's just it's it's choosing your battles as you get older yeah you know and i think this uncle doesn't really like do doesn't really doesn't really like talk to me in the same in that's in the same way anymore because he realizes like i'm not 15 anymore like i am an adult he probably doesn't know how old i am but would put money on that which is funny Um, because this this uh, my uncle did this like i think two years ago so i was 25 yeah like you know like okay that's like infantilizing the so terrible ugh yeah. But in conclusion, in conclusion, it's I, this story has a has a well rounded theme. Yes, tell um, me. Because when as soon as I told I, I, my mom, never forgot that. Like to this day, she'll still say like, you know that you know well that's what Jeffrey always meant when he said that when he said that about him or something. Because like as time went on, like other people in my family would kind of ha- have similar similar. It's nice to feel valid. Yeah, he would. They would have similar um, experiences with him, and I didn't really care. Like it wasn't like I was sitting on cloud nine being like, haha. Like I really didn't give a shit. You know, I didn't. It was like. This this happened to me. He taught he treated me like dirt. I told you about it. I'm like I moved on, you know. Yeah. But like so, a few weeks ago, actually, um, my my dad was so my my he my uncle came by to pick something up that my dad had for him, and like usually usually him and my dad are pretty friendly. Like they get along. Like they, like my dad is has a lot. Like it's just has a lot to talk about with him. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know. They have a lot in common. So he came over to pick someone up. It was like, it was all pleasant conversation, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets into the, and then he's getting into my, the uncle's getting into his car and he's saying like, Oh, I have a job for you. I need you to come over tomorrow and hang my shelves. So like, and then my dad's a contractor, but yeah, like, but- and a lot of people present my dad, 
a lot of people perceive my dad as a handyman. It's like my dad's a contractor, not a handyman. Yeah. It's like he's not someone you call up the day your the day your your house floods and be like, I need you. Like, no, no, that's not my job. That's not what I do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because he's a cranky old man splainer, he doesn't really get the difference. He's al- he's also um not he's not sore for cash. So he's very used to throwing money at problems and has lived his whole life kind of like that. So yeah. rich old cranky white man. The worst kind. <laughs> and so my da- and so my dad came home and like my, my dad's very polite in the moment too, but like he, then he'll come home and be like all angry about it. So yeah. he's like in the moment he's like, oh you know I, I can't you know I'm booked next week, which was not a lie. Like I he, my dad's booked like six months in advance. So he's no, like, but even if it was like, I mean like even not, if it was a lie, I'm not gonna put up your fucking shelf. Exactly, my dad home was like I'm like I'm not your errand boy. Like what but do that's you, you it, know? Like, and so my and so all, all my mom had to say was yeah well. That's what Jeffrey said. Yeah. And like there was this was like eight years ago that I said this, you know. And so I came home from work that day, and my mom was like, "Your dad has a similar experience." And yeah. I'm like, You're, "Are you still on this? Like, I'm so over but this." this is sometimes, like, I'm not over it in the same sense as you. Sometimes my mom will make a comment like, "Oh, like this and this happened." I'm like, "Are you guys surprised? Like, I've been telling you this I'll for the years." Sa- yeah, I'll do the same thing. thing. You know what I mean? Um, like my one family member made a comment to me at my brother's wedding Mm -hmm. and my mom is always telling me how this family member has changed (sighs) so they made this comment to me at the wedding and then i told my mom about it and she's like i can't believe she said that i'm like are you serious you can't believe she said that yeah like i've been telling you you know what i mean so when i when i mean like feeling validated a little bit and just bringing it back to gilmore girls i think it wouldn't be too much for richard to be like yo i get it she's hard on you I see it. You know what I mean? I think what bothers Emily the most is that, because later on, it it, 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 it gets worse in season four. Yeah. But I think what bothers her the most is that she doesn't feel hurt, you know? She doesn't feel like your mother's doing all this shit to me, and you're like... Did, I don't remember. Did, did Richard and Emily, did Richard, did Richard ever have a moment where he's like, oh, I, like, I get it. Did, no. Never? No. Like, there was, is there, like, I remember... Was, and that, to me, felt a little bit incomplete. Okay. Like, when she passed away in the fourth season... Right. Like, Emily was done with her because she wrote a letter, which we'll yeah. get into more detail. And but, that, like, even yeah. that letter, Richard couldn't see how that was so fucking inappropriate. And I feel like that and was... And that's when she lost her shit, you know? Yeah, and you're right. That was the road to their separation, yeah. so... Like, they're, they're already on shaky ground of at course, that point, but so... but I mean... Yeah. yeah. So, another thing that happens is episode... The original Lorelai, Lorelai the first, finds out that her granddaughter Lorelai is borrowing money to put Rory through school. Right. And so she says, I've set up a trust fund for Rory mm-hmm. so that she can access it now and pay for school. Right. Remember? Yes. And that causes a bit of a, more than a bit, that causes a total panic. causes pa- a shit show. A total panic for Emily because at this point, yeah, Emily believes that, or, you know, it, it is partially the truth that if, Lorelai is not financially um, dependent on her parent, then, she, then they'll, they'll never see her. Well, she says it to Richard. That's not she's wrong. She's like, your mother's vile. She's terrible. She's like, that's my mother you're talking about. She's like, she's gone too far. You know, we're never going to see Lorelai again if... Which mm-hmm. is true, by the way. Because if you if we fast forward a little bit to the third season where Lorelai pays them back, she's not in... Like, she doesn't have to go to Friday night dinner anymore. And she's just like, all right. Yeah, which I mean, I get... Yeah, I get that... I get Emily's side. Yeah. In, if we talk but about, but it was so petty. No, but if especially okay, but if we talk about Emily's panic in this episode where she's like, it's the first season. It's only been it's only been like the first year that that Rory's at Chilton. Mm-hmm. 
like I would un- I understand her panic more now because it's like she 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 just got them back yeah. in her life like she's able to she's, yeah she's, she's just getting a relationship she, yeah with them. exactly so she's been able to hold on to them in a in a way she's never had before yeah it's different in season three when that happens of course because Lorelai's like this is a loan I always told you I was gonna pay you back and I was like well we didn't expect that blah blah and I feel like. But I feel like if Lorelai had consciously never paid them back, they would have been like, "Well, you just bought." Like they there would have been there would have been no winning. Of course, yeah. But um, I think it was super petty of her, though. Oh, it was definitely. Like she tells, basically, she gets in Lorelai's head. Yeah, she's like, "You're gonna lose her." But that's you know? okay. You're gonna lose your daughter. It's not nice not to feel needed anymore. And she's super projecting her own shit on Lorelai, by the way. I've never met your grandmother, but that sounds like something that she would say to you. The guilt? Yeah. The guilt is yeah. <laughs> the guilt. The ethnic guilt. The yeah. In this case <laughs> not even ethnic, it's white people guilt. Yes. The guilt is very much there. Um It's even worse like with Jewish guilt. Like that's like that's like times a thousand. Yeah. I don't know if we're worse than Jewish guilt though. <laughs> like sometimes I'll talk to D who's Jewish yeah. at work. And uh, she talks about how her mom sometimes, like, guilt her into things. I'm like, oh, my God, my grandma did something similar. Exactly. And Deal told me, oh, my God, that's crazy. You know, like, so we'll get into a little bit of a... I think it's just, it's it's the way they operate. Yeah, and I feel like Emily is just very similar. She's in touch with her guilt side. (laughs) In touch with her, in touch with her great-grandmother side. Yeah, somewhere back there, she had a great-grandmother. But, um, you know, it was really... She got into her head, basically. Yeah. Said, you know, she's not going to need you to go to Europe with if she has all this money. She's going to move out. She can go to Europe with a boyfriend and not. And then Lorelai... And Lorelai's like, yeah, so? Yeah. <laughs> then Lorelai's not, yeah, so? Yeah. She's she's even telling Suki, mm-hmm. like, it's true what my mother said, you know, like... She won't need me anymore if she has all this money because she didn't tell her about the money. Yeah. And see, this is, I'm, this is another great example of how the show works on as a family drama mm-hmm. it's like your emily is basically instilling her own anxieties into her kin it's like yeah. that is that's like such a family Remember dynamic how I tell you, you know? that like because my grandmother gets stressed during the holidays or a special event you get it stressed. Makes me stressed yes even though there's like no reason to be stressed exactly this is the same shit it's like generational you and that's know? so realistic it is it really is but this is also where I find that, like, Kazuki's talking her down. Yeah. You know, she's like, no, you're crazy. Rory loves you. Like, that's not happening, you know? I remember a couple of episodes, well, not maybe more than a couple, um, where Suki's trying to talk her down from, like, her Max freak out. Right. This is where I find that, like, the show um, kind of fell apart with the Suki Lorelai sto- storyline. You think? Because in the, fir- in the, the first seasons... Mm-hmm. Suki was much more willing to, like, call Lorelai out on her shit. Right, yes. We She's talk- like, you're we- being crazy. She got in your head. Like, come on. Yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about that. Yeah. And so, like, I still kind of appreciate Because what is a friend if you can't go to them and they can't talk you down, you know? Yeah. Because I'll come to you. I'll go to Lori. I'll go to my friends and be like, this and this is happening. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, don't worry. I think this is what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Later on, Suki was much more like, yes, I'm on your side, whatever you say, no, no, no. When really, I think she could have used a swift kick in the ass. Yeah, you know I mean? and, I feel, and I feel like that that happened when Suki um, got married and had her own family, where, like, yeah. she, where it was kind of like mothers together kind of thing, where, like, in the first seasons, it was like, uh, no, fuck that, like, you're being yeah. stupid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I think they did a disservice to their relationship. Yeah, it was much. It was a different. It was a different dynamic in the first. I would have preferred that dynamic to stay. 
it would be would have and it would have been interesting to see what they're like what it would have been like after Suki married Jackson yeah. and like they had five they had you know eight children and it would have just they had way they had, too, they, they had way too many kids three it was like it was like she was always pregnant like poor, three kids like poor, like poor Melissa McCarthy and the last one wasn't even supposed to be she didn't know about it right vasectomy drama vasectomy drama. <laughs> Long story short, um, Lorelai the first sees that Emily and Lorelai are bickering about the money, and she like rescinds her offer. She's like, "I'm not giving you this money." Finally, which is a weird, which is like oddly, ma- oddly mature, and like motherly, shall we say? Of I thought it was out of spite. You think? I think like I think it was to spite her daughter-in-law. You think? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe like maybe like double like double meaning. It was yeah probably both, but I was just like I'm gonna do this, and at the same time I'm gonna piss off my daughter along. So true, like yeah, like I feel like I don't know. I feel like like yeah, I feel like she had her cake and ate it, and ate it too. Yeah, in that she like did it to spite Emily on one level, and on another level it was like oh, but I don't want to cause tension. I don't want to cause drama. Like I love you, but like no, no. <laughs> yeah. So. Also, in that scene at the where they had like. Like a tea party or something. High tea. High tea. High tea. High tea. Whatever that is. Um, <laughs> Mini sandwiches and fucking boiling water. I love. I love. Well, says it by the way. She's like, oh, rose tea. <laughs> Isn't that just fucking rose petals with hot water? <laughs> I think it is. I can literally make that for you right now. I have my bouquet from the wedding. <laughs> um, I think that's when. Lorelai was say like, "Well, I'll call, I'll call her. I'll call her right now. I'll call her right now." And she's like trying to get a signal. And she's like moving her phone around. Dad, there's no reception. And Emily's like, "What are you doing? Look at her having a fit." <laughs> uh, the age of no reception, and I'll go find a payphone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she ends up taking back the money, um, which works. Uh, mm. It works out. I mean, eventually keeps keeps the dynamic in, in of check. Of course, because they still have to go to Friday night dinner <laughs> and whatnot. Should we get to Emily in Wonderland? Because I know that one's much more deep. Yes. Much heavier, shall we say. That's one of my favorite episodes. Episode 19. Of season one. Emily in Wonderland. Where she want... Well, anyway, what... I just have one thing written down for this. One thing? And it's it's in all caps. Hard episode to watch, poor Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it's similar to... The birthday parties where she rea- yes. where she realizes how much she's missed. Yeah, yeah, and how much she doesn't know, and how much makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. who return? Who makes a second appearance in this episode? Rachel. Rune. Rune. <laughs> Fuck you, Rune. Because <laughs> I had Rachel on the brain because I want to talk about Rachel. But yeah, Rune makes a second appearance. <laughs> We're gonna talk about it after. Because right now, hold on, don't make me laugh. <laughs> I want to talk about Rachel two seconds. Okay. So Lorelai and Rachel are getting a little bit closer mm-hmm. as friends, and Rachel starts telling her like, "This time, I really want it to work. I want to stay with Luke." Like, I want us to be together. I'm ready to settle down, put down roots. What is this shit? Whatever. I don't know. It's so cliche, <laughs> and it's so, um... Can I say it? No. Why not? All right, fine. Heterosexual nonsense? You just renamed the podcast Heterosexual Nonsense. Is that better than Eleni Hates Dean's Hair? It's way better than Hates <laughs> Dean's Hair. Did you see on one of our Instagram posts? Because I posted um, one of our tweets. Yeah. Where it's like Jeffrey and then Eleni. <laughs> and then I was like, but who's Eleni? 
Well, they know who I am. They know who you are. Oh well, I'll take that as a compliment. There you go. <laughs> Insert hair flip here. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So she's talking about how she really wants it to work this time, and if Lorelai can just be a pal and mention it to Luke because she, he doesn't seem to be listening to her. Right. So then Lorelai goes and talks to Luke and says, like, I think she means it this time. And Luke's like, well, you don't know her like I do. Which is so true, by the way. Yes. That's a good, that's a good scene. I was like, Lorelai, what the fuck do you know? Like, you don't know their dynamic. You know what I mean? Because then Luke is telling her, like, oh, let me guess. She said that she wants to put down roots and that she means it. And that she really wants to stay together. Like, that's yeah. obviously something he's heard before. You know what I mean? We argued about this in a previous episode. We basically argued about how we were agreeing on yeah. the same point. We disagreed to agree. <laughs> um, but there's, like, at, now that you mention it, there's, like, so many holes in the Luke and Rachel story yeah. that I didn't realize before. Yeah. And probably because I, when I watch Gilmore Girls, it's, like, just for fun. Well, yeah, I don't but think, it's I don't also, like, in, like, we talked about it last time, too. It's an insignificant part of the show, right? It's yeah. six episodes in a seven-season show. Exactly. So like, I, we don't care that there's holes because she never comes back. No, and I'm thinking... That would have been a plot twist if she had come yeah. back, by the way. And I'm thinking now, like, in comparison to like just the way just like the Luke and Lorelai dynamic that goes forth after the first season like I don't really know anymore since we've talked about it at length <laughs> extensively I don't I don't really get what what the intention for Rachel was like I, I don't anymore I don't know was it to divert attention from, from Luke and Lorelai was it to build Luke's character I think it was a little both. bit of both I think maybe to me, or like or was, I think it was to build his character in the sense to establish the fact that like he was born and raised here he likes his routine kind of thing and and it's funny because well this makes sense considering this, this was the first season and then this comes much much later but that like the a lot of what they established with Luke and Rachel is kind of canceled out or mm, on a lesser scale it's can <laughs> on a lesser scale it's canceled canceled out by the story between Luke and Anna in yeah. later seasons it's like they were together for so long like it yeah. was like but in the first season they made it sound like Rachel was it like yeah. Luke had never ever known anybody else yeah but do you remember else. that Anna telling Luke that she didn't want to tell him because he would have freaked out because he hates change like that like that ties down I'm just I'm like in terms of the, in terms of Luke's character it makes sense like they didn't change that I'm mm-hmm. saying like in in terms of like just the timeline of Luke's like Luke's personal life is kind of just it goes it goes back and forth. Yeah, there are holes everywhere. Yeah, but whatever. Um, Everything has. But holes. yeah, I think it was more to establish the fact that he was very set in his ways, mm-hmm. and like he was unwilling to change for her. Well, she was also like I don't. I don't she was th- super unwilling to change for him. Exactly. Obviously, but if you remember why she left, we'll get to it next episode. Yes. She said a... she was ready, but he was in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Which is not false, Rachel. <laughs> nope. But, um, yeah, like you said, I don't know what the whole point of it was. Yeah, five or six, I'm not sure what, but uh, it made for interesting season one television. Yes. When it was still very much drama-oriented. Like, mm-hmm. Like, petty drama-oriented. <laughs> but, yeah, she left as soon as she came. <laughs> so, Rune. Rune! Is the that should be our intro music, by the way? You saying Rune? Rune. <laughs> I love Rune, but I don't. No, we hate Rune. We hate Rune. I don't, I don't know anybody who likes Rune. If you like Rune, 
Stop listening. <laughs> like if you don't, if you like Dean, you could still listen. I like you. If you like Rune, what? we don't have problems. Oh my god, he's not. But like, he's not even likable in any sense of the word. Like my loon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, no, Rune's terrible, because, and he makes another appearance. Yeah, and we learned that it's because he still hasn't fucking left. <laughs> From his first appearance. <laughs> and Suki's kind of like dancing around the fact. Like yeah. she was supposed to ask if Lorelai will give him a job at the end. And then Jackson comes in being like, oh, thanks so much. I for- made you some jam. Yeah. She's like, for all your help. She's like, what like, fucking what? help? And like um, Suki in the background like waving her arms like. I'm doing a whole fucking dance with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but that's the segue into the. Um, the most heartbreaking scene. The pot. What's the pottery shed? The, the potting shed. The potting shed. Yeah. So Emily comes to Stars Hollow. Because it's well, the, anyway. we'll give context. Give context. Go ahead. The pot. The the potting shed was where Suki was where Suki suggested that Rune could stay because he had nowhere else to stay, and yeah. they were done with they were done with him at Jackson's basically. Um, she just wanted her privacy. Yeah, so he was like, oh, he could stay in the potting shed, no problem. And, and Lorelai's like, that's where Rory and I lived when she was a baby. There's memories, blah, blah, blah. And we had never really, we'd never really gotten clear um, insights into the, the, that period of yeah. their lives and what and where they lived exactly when Lorelai worked at the inn. We get more of it in the second season. Yes, we do. But yeah. at this point, it's like, it, it's brand new yeah, information. Yeah, it's still new for us, yeah. As Phoebe and friends says, brand new information. I got it. (laughs) Um, So that's a segue into the potting shed and what comes later with Emily. So Emily is going to Stars Hollow. Rory suggests that she comes to Stars Hollow to look um, for some antiques. Right. And at the same time, she's like, I'll give you a tour of the town. And at first, Emily is really uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. I guess, because like last time, she's never been there before and... And it's an insight into a world that she doesn't know, you know, like it's her daughter's world that she's never been a part of. Yeah. And Rory's like, you're going to need better shoes to walk through the town. She's like, yeah. oh, like should you borrow mom? She's like, oh, no, I don't want you. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. I'll go get them. Yeah. And she's like, I, w- I won't wear anything with a, a long list of things. Yeah, and like, it lights up. I think with rhinestones, Velcro, it lights up. It sings. It dances. It has fur. I'm like, okay, relax. <laughs> what kind of shoe are you describing? Okay. Well, all things that Lorelai would, would buy. Let's yeah, be honest. Like all her lumps. <laughs> all her lamps all of them by the way in the breakup episode I noticed that she has another lamp so it wasn't just five lamps in her living room it was a sixth one too well as people as people on the social media pointed on out on the social media on the social media on the tweeters <laughs> as they pointed out um, what, did one, what did one person say like oh it was the 2000s they didn't have they didn't have like spotlights no she was like something. maybe because it's an old house so they didn't have overhead lighting and another person said it causes nice ambiance okay cool <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I'm salty now. <laughs> Anyways, so they're walking around town and they stop by the inn to say hi to Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And Rory goes, I want to show you my favorite place. But we, we, we must first preface this by establishing that in the beginning of the episode, um, Emily was like struggling to find good antiques. And mm-hmm. Laura, and Rory suggested, oh, what about King's, Kim's antiques? And Lorelai immediately was like, didn't that burn down? Yeah. <laughs> Like fucking Lorelai, you pass by it every fucking day. Didn't that burn down? Yeah, because no, because at the, because at this point Lorelai is, st- is still so um, apprehensive. About- yeah, she's still anti anyone from Hartford coming into her life in Stars Hollow. Exactly. So like, <laughs> did not burn down. <laughs> um, I don't think Lorelai. I, I, I obviously don't think Lorelai knew what would happen on if yeah. this time yeah, when Emily came, Emily came to visit. However. But can I just say that whole Emily, Mrs. Kim scene? 
fucking hilarious. They wanted pop. She's like, should, should we get popcorn? Isn't that what Lane yeah, 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 but it's just, it's so well written because they're very similar. Yes. Oh my God, it was the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so you can take the potting shed. Yes. So anyway, Emily comes to Stars Hollow to go to, to, go to Kim's Antiques. Um, they have a whole, <laughs> they have a whole brawl where it's like, you know, back and forth, like ship and delivery. No, it's signed. No, it isn't. No, no, no. Like, yeah. So then they go on a tour of the town, which leads them to the inn to visit Lorelai and see the inn and Rory showing her around, blah, blah, blah. And eventually they come to the potting shed, which mm-hmm. Rory describes as her favorite place. This is my favorite place. And Emily's like, what? This tool shed? Yeah. Like, ugh. You know, so dismissive. And she's like, no, this is where mom and I lived when, she, when I was a baby. And Emily's entire demeanor changes. Yup. It's she's really like, hard. And she's just like... And it's, but there's also... Like, but you can see it going, getting worse and worse as Rory's describing everything in the shed, right? You see, this is where we used to put our bed and mom hung up this pretty curtain. So like kind of like a wall for the tub. And at night we'd sit outside and look at the stars. And Emily's just like, like, it's traumatizing for her. Yeah, and I think... Obviously there's, there's multiple different levels of why it was traumatizing for her. But I, I do think it's important to mention that she's a rich snob. Who cannot picture any anyone live anyone of her standing, quote unquote, in her family living in garbage. Yeah, but and this wasn't garbage, but in her head, I'm sure it's garbage. It's worse knowing that your daughter left your house because I understand what she says. Because then at the end of the episode, they get into a fight where she's like, "You hated us that much that you left our house, yeah, and went to go live in a shed." However, yes. Typical bubble of emotional repression. Yeah, I know, but it's still really like my heart. Normally, I would agree with you, but my heart really went out to her. Because it does. It yes, like, it does for sure. Because because she's right. You you hated them that much that you hit, went to go live in a shed. It hit her all at once. Yeah, and I don't. And but and I and I mentioned this. I definitely mentioned this in a, in another in a previous episode because Lorelai's response to that is mm-hmm. like just kind of sums up the entire backstory for me. Yeah, and. I mean both, but like it's. Are it's, about it's it was. I was very young. And yeah, very but it's it's worth mentioning that both perspectives are always valid, of course. despite any nonsense. Yeah. But oh no, I'm not saying I agree with Emily to shit on Lorelai. I'm no, just saying like but, I understand in that moment how it could have been difficult for her. Mm-hmm. But I do love, just I love just love how that line is written. I love how like um, Lauren Graham delivered it. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just very. No, it was spot on. Yeah, and she, so she says, "Mom, I was very young and I was very unhappy, and I needed to be, and I needed to be someplace that wasn't here." Yeah, yeah. And that to me just makes like so much sense because it wasn't like she chose like I hate my family, I hate this house, I hate my life, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in a shed. Like no, no, it was. Yeah, I need no, to, I, I need to, le- I need to leave this environment for my own. I need yeah. to, you know what I mean? I'm like I, yeah. I, just, I, and I think as I get older, I understand that. So much no, no, more. No, listen, like I said, I get it. It's just, it was, I think it's just really hard. Because I think in Lorelai's mind, in Emily's mind, she knows her daughter left. She knows she went to work as a maid at 17. But no, looking at the details, looking at it more closely, it kind of hits you. Yeah. That like, my God, it must have been so bad at our house for her to want this. You for know? sure. 
And it's probably a little bit of defensiveness on her side too. Yeah. Because she says it in her head. We get we did everything not in her head. She says it in the episode. We did everything for you. The best school. This that you know. Which is which is so valid because like Emily just can't like like it's not like what she's saying is not is not wrong. It's not wrong, but at the same time, she doesn't realize that people need more than that. No, and she doesn't. She doesn't understand. Like that's what I mean when I say like Emily just doesn't doesn't have the means to understand that her daughter that's not what her daughter needed. Yeah, like, exactly. No, she, no, I she, like one hundred percent agree. She thinks like what possible more could you need? But it's like there's so much more. Yeah, like affection, understanding, space, validation. Yeah. No, I know, I know. But, but I also don't. Just, it was really acted beautifully too. Yes. Like Kelly Bishop did a really really good job of it. That scene where she puts on her sunglasses and she's like, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Like I understand, like no, it was it was yeah. But I also don't like how she hand how Emily handles handles it just in terms of like oh because she makes her a room yeah and like yeah. that can be interpreted in a, in a lot of different it's, ways. It's definitely passive aggressive. Yeah, but it's also kind of like but also overtly aggressive when she then gets aggressive. <laughs> but no, it's kind of it's it's a little like I think it can be really interpreted in many different ways because if you think about it, it's kind of like. What is the what is the room representing really? It's kind of like it's for Rory, but it's kind of also it's kind of because it's really to show your because yes, it's for Rory, but you know that Rory's not living in a shed right now. She has a home. Yeah, you so it's kind I mean? of like so it's more to put it, throw it in your daughter's face. Yeah, that's what it was to me, anyways. No, me too. I think, but also foreshadow <laughs> again. It's like it's always it's and it's always kind of up in the air until season six. Um, it's like, even when she's, when she sets up this room for her, kind of, again, to like throw it in her daughter's, throw it in her daughter's face, being like, you know, you hate us that much. Like, look what you could, look what she could have had here. Yeah. So that's one side of it. But then the other side was like, she still has this here. We're still here. What mm-hmm. you, what you, what you dislike in us doesn't go away. Like yeah. it could be in her too. Yeah. Like that, that looming cloud was always there, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it, it works both ways but i think i think you're right the fact that she made the room for her Mm -hmm. yeah it wasn't handled properly at all no and that's like like a bubble of emotional oppression like i'm just gonna i'm gonna put all of my emotions into a room and lock it up tight like that's basically what she did and and lorelei was super upset as well because at first she didn't know it was in response to the potting shed yeah that she was like, "Wow, you you filled the room with sunflowers." And she was, and, and Laura was upset too, because like, yeah, because she's just, like, you got to, never because in her me. head, yeah, in her head, she's like, you actually took the time to get to know what my daughter likes. Mm-hmm. And she even said it to Rory at one point. She's like, when when Rory's telling her that she asked me if I like in sync or the backside boys. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. Yes. Well, I was like, wow, she never did that for me. I once sat her down to listen to a Prince song and like she didn't speak to me for I don't know what. <laughs> like, so Rory's feeling kind of like, what the fuck you're doing? Like, you never got the chance to know me. Yeah. So it's very, it's it's very, it like I would like deep breath because <laughs> I I I get where Emily's coming from and I yeah. get like I get that this is how she like and what how. how uh, ooh, uh, ooh. <laughs> Did she handle it the right way? No. no. Did she handle anything the right way? Not usually. No. So there's that, but it's also like, I don't know. This is why I, this is why I love this episode so much because it's just a very important example of the dynamic for me where, like, I don't know. Every time I watch this episode, I always feel like, if I were Lorelai, I would feel like utter shit. Like, yeah. Because no, I get it. 
like what you said about how like well she never she never cared this much about me but like so what like i don't really get it's not it's not really clear and it's left up to the imagination like what were emily's true motives like was it to be like look what she could have had here or like i think a part of her was like i want to make sure she's well taken care of because and and throwing money at something and throwing like like showing people all the stuff that you have and what you could have had is a way is i think the only way maybe not the only way but one of the main ways emily shows that like she cares about you Mm -hmm. so i think a part of it was that i'm showing her that we can take care of her like you never have to go back to that potting shed but another part of it was like i'm gonna show my daughter yeah you know what i mean and i think the and i think the irony is lost on emily in terms of like well you never did you never did this for me like look i think like it's it's definitely lost on her but like the irony is emily doesn't realize if she had applied this to her relationship with Lorelai when she was yeah. Rory's age, maybe things but I think would have she's turned also out different. Kind of lear- learning as she goes too. Yes and no. Okay. Because <laughs> like <laughs> Emily, like at, like every character on every show, I think kind of grows as time goes on. But yeah. like, I think Emily grows in some ways, but also is remains the same in na- by nature forever like i don't yeah. think even even in the revival when she kind of like you know throws caution to the wind in every aspect of her life it's, it's still like she's still emily gilmore at, at her core and mm-hmm. i feel like emily gilmore at her core is a bunch of unlikable traits mm-hmm. or unlikable qualities yeah and yet i love her so much <laughs> well i think everyone has kind of unlikable qualities yeah. that make them likable yeah somebody posted um somebody commented on one of the the posts that we made it was an emily quote mm-hmm. so it was in response to um i think it was oh yeah um hold on i'm gonna pull it up here if i may if it's cooperating where is it oh here it is so we had posted a picture of um Emily saying a three-month anniversary is a landmark feat at her age. And then she goes, or any age for that matter. (laughs) And then somebody commented, Emily Gilmore is sometimes horrible, but always fantastically dressed and very, very funny. So I got to love her. (laughs) It's true. But it's true. Like sometimes the quotes that are the funniest that come out of Emily's mouth are really, in terms of like the plot and the character, are really the most horrible. (laughs) It's not, it's, mm, yeah. That's horrible, but you know what I mean? Like, no, like there's constantly a, a double a double meaning. Well, with yeah, her. they're kind of backhanded sometimes. Yeah, and it's like in that f- same episode, remember when she was like, "When was the last time you had a relationship that lasted that long?" You know what I mean? Like, so that's what I mean when I say, um, like Emily does grow, and Emily does see, yeah. does underst- does learn and grow to understand things better. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there are certain things that never that will never change for never change for Emily, never change for Lorelai, and that's what makes that and that's what makes the show so endearing. Yeah. As a family drama. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. It's kind of weird to look back of like, why do I love this character so much? She's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like in certain instances, she's terrible. But I think like I find in the revival, she's fucking terrible <laughs> to Lorelai. Yeah. And I remember watching it with my sister and saying like, she's being fucking mean. Yeah. But yet loving her so much and loving her character development, I don't know. But Lorelai also is terrible sometimes too. Oh yeah, for sure. So is Rory. But I think so is Luke. What I mean to say is, I think Emily comes off more cruel sometimes. Yeah. Whereas, oh yeah, we're gonna talk about cruelty for yeah, sure. Yeah, whereas I don't think that Lorelai and Luke ever meant to be cruel. 
No. Maybe Lorelai when she slept with Christopher. No. Mm, maybe. But, but even in, then. In the last episode of season six. Yes. But even then. Like but if even then, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think I think Rory was was literally a twat on several occasions. So. Yeah, for sure. But cruel. <laughs> yeah, it's no. You know that's what a, I mean? that's a good point. Emily like cuts like a knife. <laughs> since we're Canadian. Okay. Anything else to say about this episode? Um, I don't think so. Because I wanted to. Did we finish talking about Rune? <laughs> if you want. Did we, like, okay, one last thing we can talk we can mention. Rune <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> Um, we should get like a sound effect and like play that every single time. <laughs> play it on my phone. Um, there's a scene where he's trying to like dust a picture frame and Michelle's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm the handyman. <laughs> but imagine if you were Michelle, watch like watching someone trying to dust a picture frame like that. Like how stupid are you? Oh my God. And then he tells Michelle that he, he and Lorelai used to date. Oh, right. But you like, you used to date this man. <laughs> it's like, Rune, it was one fucking date and we didn't do anything. And Rune hated it. Yeah, basically. And so did Lorelai, for that matter. And and you know what? The worst part is Rune even tells Michelle, he's like, yeah, but don't spread the word. I don't want people to know. Yeah, like, you have to be embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so. To reiterate, bye, Loon. Bye, Loon. Uh, we see him one more time, I think. Yeah, but... And then we have another crazy Jackson relative, if you remember. When they opened the dragonfly. Oh, the creepy guy. The creepy guy. Yeah. But we'll talk about it in due time. Okay, so that's it for the episode. But do you remember the post that we made? We we reposted something that Netflix had posted. Yes. So it's all the characters, basically. And it says, Lorelai is hilarious. Rory is brilliant. Jess is creative. uh, Suki is passionate. Logan is charming. Dean. Paris is driven. <laughs> so that was us um, throwing shade at Dean, but also the Netflix people throwing shade at Dean. Yeah. So I got really, like, <laughs> we, we got mixed responses to that. So yes. some people were really great. Um, other people were not so into Other people the- got a little protective <laughs> of Dean. And so I'm going to read you some of the responses, okay? So one person said, Dean is protective, mm-hmm. which is not false. Um, then another person just wrote Dean with a bunch of exclamation points and question marks and laughy faces. Yeah. Um, I love his hair flop. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I wrote, so then somebody wrote, uh, lol, that LOL, that dig at Dean unreal. And we responded back. We love the shade. Mm-hmm. And then somebody responded to us. He doesn't need shade. He's got his hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Someone wrote Dean is sweet, Dean is caring, Dean is Dean. I lost one too hard with that one. Uh, Dean is the best and you can't notice it. He's lovely and sweet. Mm. All right. Dean is salty, somebody wrote. Well, I mean, we're, we're not, salty about him. Yeah, I mean, he's not not salty. Dean is safe, um, which is not. Meh. I mean, Dean is perfect, this person wrote. Okay. Dina's um. <laughs> and my favorite one, I think, was. Um, wait, let me find it. Oh, this person got really upset. He's like, hey, he gifted her a damn car. Waited for hours while she bought books, even read the one she told him. He was nice to her family and friends and accepted all the weird stuff between her and Lorelai. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're in a relationship. Yeah, okay. You want a medal? It doesn't make you. Doesn't... <laughs> this girl wrote Dina's tall? <laughs> <The> question mark. <laughs> 
Like you want a medal? Like that doesn't okay. Yeah. That's that's pretty much that's like doesn't mean like low standards. Come on. Uh, yeah. Like that's what I mean when I say like and simplistic standards. Mm, okay, this was just mean. Well no follow us then, bitch. Like No, relax! <laughs> My god. Yeah, so it was just really funny. And it's just a segue into me telling you thank you again for all the love. Yes. On Instagram and Twitter. But I must mention, before we sign off for this week, that I never really realized, I mean, maybe it's it's newfound, but I never really realized how bitter and salty you are about Dean until we started this podcast. I think I didn't even know I was so bitter and salty about Dean. Because, like, I don't know. When I first started watching the show, I didn't like, I didn't, I never, I never really liked Dean. Like, I thought he was just like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't mind him in, in parts of season one, but even then I was like, yeah. And then I, but then, yeah. <laughs> but then, as everyone knows, I loved I loved Jess when he came, when he came, and that's and he's my favorite of Roy's men, um, if we can call them that. Sounds like a brothel. <laughs> Roy's men, <laughs> prostitution service. Um, but like I remember, just, I, there was mixed responses. I remember one of my friends at the time, she had watched it just before me, like for the first time too, and we were like we would share opinions. And she was Team Dean all the way for the first time that she watched it. And I was like, mm, no. Like Team Dean over Jess and over Logan. Oh, yes. Like she was like, Dean was her favorite. Do you know what her reasoning was? She, I'm genuinely trying to understand. I'm not being I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what her reasoning. You can interview her. <laughs> I remember what her reasoning was at the time. But then I remember as I kept watching and like, I think maybe no, I think she had not finished it yet when I started watching it. So like I was behind her and then she finished it like before I finished it. Okay. So, but by the time that she finished it mm-hmm. and then she went back and rewatched the beginning again to like, I think cause my, my comments kind of like. Re, re, reignited her flame yeah and she was eventually she's tell she said you know what you were right jess is better so i've i've I, I converted her they all come around somehow. but like I, I don't know i just remember like when i started watching the gilmore girls for the first time which was in 2016 mm-hmm. i don't know like for me the fandom at the time was just very was just very pro dean or very pro jess like there was it was one or the other and i feel like now it's very it can be anything like clearly based on those Twitter accounts that we that we read out last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, all that to say, thank you very much for the Instagram and Twitter love. Yes. And for listening. And uh, let us know should we should we rename our podcast either Eleni hates Dean's hair or heterosexual nonsense. No. Neither. Neither one. <laughs> no. We'll just we'll just we'll just stick with what we have. Yeah. Okay. I think that's for the best. You can uh, follow us on tweeters. Yes. At Gilmore Podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram. At Gilmore Girls Podcast. Yes. And let us know what you think. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys.